Drive Time Radio with New York Vinny. A very good Saturday morning to you. It is Drive Time Radio. We are live coming to you from the spacious palatial studios of Esperance Media in beautiful Edmonds, Washington, where the sky is gray, the leaves are turning color, and uh, everything is just, uh, as I see it in Edmonds, hunky-dory. I mean, this is like living in fantasy land up here. Uh, the um, It's a place where you just walk around, you look around, and everything seems to be okay, which is where you want to live, right? I mean, I know that some people that want to live with a little bit of action, and they want a little of this, a little of that, and... Uh, I'm, uh, I, I've lived with the action. <laughs> now I want to live with a little peace. And Edmonds fits that bill uh, just fine. West Seattle is also the same way. You don't get as much, uh, it's not as peaceful as Edmonds, but it's a lot easier to get to until I get that bridge done. And that bridge is going to be uh, still be a bit of a, uh, a while before they get that thing uh, cranked up and moving for, for commuter traffic. Anyway, um, as uh, you may know from reading Facebook, as you may not know, uh, as I uh, said before uh, to our Facebook audience, I had a, a surgery earlier this week and uh, had something removed. They had to open my throat up and put my head back like a cigarette lighter and pull something out of there, and they did it. Everything seems to be successful, and uh, my biggest fear was that uh, I wouldn't be able to talk to you again. Uh, because it involved my vocal cords. And for somebody who talks for a living, that can be a scary proposition. But uh, the doctors at Swedish did a great job in um, doing what they needed to do to go in there to get what was had to be gotten out. And um, here I am, maybe a little bit weaker in the voice, but yet uh, still strong in the conviction. And so we will uh, continue the show on and hopefully, uh, hopefully uh, I, we had toyed with the idea of uh, also going out on the road with the show. I know uh, we've been talking about it all summer. Um, I'll have an announcement on that next week, uh, but you will be able to come out and see the show live, uh, I think within the next 30 days or so if everything goes according to plan. So we're working on some good stuff around that. And um, and we will also get the uh, the weekday version, uh, Mikey and Vinny cranked up uh, to do that on uh, Monday morning as well. We'll be back with you at 10 o'clock as we usually are right here on Facebook Live. No, uh, no over-the-air version of that one yet. Yet. I'll ahead yet in there. Uh, so couple of things that we have uh, we have going here uh, this morning. Uh, the, the first one that I wanted to touch on is um, the continuing state of the car business. And I hate to be a Debbie Downer every week when, you know, I talk to you. But again, we're looking at uh, uh, close downs and shutdowns of epic proportions, according to the guys at YAA. Uh, which uh, we are who we are going to have on coming up here in our next uh, couple of weeks. 
to talk about the automotive business and how to buy a car, uh, it's, it, it is in somewhat of uh, a free fall that Toyota is closing plants and reducing production at plants. And they are the number one automaker in uh, the United States, in the world, really, when you, when you think about it. And what this means for you is if you are going to buy a car, if you say to yourself, I need a new car, uh, you better be able to rethink that position. Because it, uh, it seems that cars are going to stay high priced, uh, be sold over dealer invo- over um, sticker price, I should say, for the foreseeable future. Right now, if you buy a car for sticker price, you are considered to be getting a deal. Uh, you know, there are certain cars that probably not too many people want or aren't as popular. And that may be, a, you know, that may be where some deals can be found if you're willing to drive one of those cars and think out of the box a little bit. But if you're going in to buy a Toyota, you're going in to buy, uh, a, you know, a Lexus, you're going in to buy uh, almost any uh, decent car right now, a Kia, Hyundai, you're going to pay over sticker price for that car. And that is uh, sad, but that is the economic state of the country and the world right now is uh, you can't get chips, you can't get parts, you can't get uh, many different things that are needed to put these cars together and get them out off of the uh, lots and onto the road. If you go down, you look at the dealer lots, there's not a lot of cars on them. Used cars are going through the roof because everybody wants a used car. If you're selling a used car right now, you have gold. Uh, some of these places uh, are paying, you know, thousands over what a car is, is uh, what a car is listed as book value. What a car's book value is listed for in the blue book or whatever book that they're using. Uh, Carvana and CarMax and all these different dealer groups are paying money because they have to have stuff to sell. And they'd rather sell you a used car than sell you no car at all. And this comes about at a time of great change in the automotive industry as well. So not only do you have uh, this dynamic of we don't have cars or it's going to take this long to get a car or it's going to this or that or the other thing. Uh, but you also have the car manufacturers who are looking at this as an opportunity to change a system that they don't particularly like anyway. And that is the system of uh, automotive dealers where you go in and buy a car at a dealership. Uh, if the automobile manufacturers had their way, I suspect that they would say, uh, do it like you do it on Amazon. Go and pick your car out, order it up, and we'll deliver it to you in a day or two, or three, or four. Because of uh, federal antitrust laws and so on and so forth, car manufacturers are not allowed to do that for the most part. There are certain exceptions. Tesla has gotten away with it. Um, uh, but certain states, they can't. 
sell you a car. Most states, they can. So you have these two forces going against each other. And what does it mean for you? Because all of this is great talk for me, but what does it mean for you? What does it mean when you want to go down and buy a car? It's very simple. It means that, uh, number one, you're going to pay more for the car. Uh, number two, you're going to have to, uh, at some point, educate yourself more about automobiles and about how to buy a car. Or you're going to have to find somebody that knows what they're doing to assist in that process. The days of just going to uh, a car dealer and, you know, signing on the dotted line are are coming to an end at some point here. I don't know if it'll be next week, next year, uh, or five years down the road, but the dynamic is changing. And I suspect, uh, very honestly, with you that one of the big things that they haven't figured out yet, and it uh, is not reared its head yet, but when it does, uh, it'll set the automotive world on its ear, is Amazon and how much of a player they want to be in the automotive uh, area. Uh, Amazon has built up a reputation for uh, say what you want. Uh, you go on a computer, you punch something into a computer in a day or two, or even hours later, it shows up at your front door. And if you don't like it, if it's not what you think you wanted, they take it back and make good on it. They combine that old Nordstrom's, we'll exchange it, no questions asked, with we have everything you want. It's all here on our website, uh, whether it be prescription drugs, whether it be uh, house goods, or whether it be a sofa, a chair, whatever it is that you want, we have it on our website. Just go on there, punch it in, pay for it, and we'll get it to your house. And I really saw no better representation of this than just recently when I, I went, I bought, helped a friend of mine buy some furniture and he needed a chair and he needed it like took sweet. He needed it like right away. And everybody had, ah, well, you know, it's going to take us three days. It's got North Carolina, this, that, the other thing. Uh, I went to Amazon and the next day the chair was in his house. No excuses, no nothing. Then they delivered it at 10 o'clock at night. But you know what? For me, that meant that they wanted to get that chair. They were fulfilling their promise of getting that chair into that person's house the next day. And these days, what you know, you got to look long and hard to find businesses that actually deliver on what they promise. It seems to have gone out of our society. But yet Amazon seems to do that. They seem to be able to deliver on the most basic promise, service. It may, um, and I think that if Amazon gets into this car space, if Amazon makes a move toward saying we want to be America's largest retailer of cars. We think that we can do better selling cars than 
Because like they said, we can do better than Nordstrom's can do in selling you uh, high-end goods, or we can do better uh, than the meat company can do in getting meat delivered to your house. or whatever it is that Amazon tackles, they seem to be a success at it. And I think that people coming up, maybe us older people, you know, people that are in their 40s and and 50s and 60s, um, you know, still want to go to the car dealer and still want to have that uh, experience, although I don't know why, but I think that there are many people in that generation and many people in generations coming up behind us who say, I don't want to haggle with some guy. I don't want in a, in a room. I don't want to be put in a room with a finance manager and told I have to buy this. I have to buy that. I want to check a box on a form and say, this is what I want on my car. Uh, I want to uh, arrange the financing and I want the car delivered to me. Simple process and something simple uh, that I think people are more and more saying that they want to see happen the days of, you know, I mean, you can go to a shopping mall and put your hands on a car and you can certainly go uh, to a certain place if you want to drive a car or get a voucher for a rental car or, or whatever it is. There's ways to get you into that car to drive it. But what Amazon would do or, or a company like them is eliminate that high pressure of the person standing over you saying, what do I got to do to put you in this car today? It's been going that way since they first rolled cars off a of Henry Ford's assembly line. And it will continue that way until somebody changes the system, which almost everybody agrees they hate. I, I don't know many people who look at the automotive dealer system and say it's a great system and it works perfectly. Now, maybe you do if you know a dealer that's a fair and square dealer out there and they are out there. I've mentioned people I know that have, uh, that have done a spectacular job at running a dealership on the up and up and, you know, being able to provide you uh, with the service the service of navigating you through buying a car, which is the probably the second big purchase, biggest purchase you're ever going to make in your life. Maybe the third, if you count your kid's education. But that dynamic is going to change. So it'll be fascinating to me to watch it change and to see what federal law, what the car dealer associations and so on and so forth will allow to happen. But as we have seen with these uh, cyber companies, uh, Uber, Lyft, Amazon, all bets are off because they don't seem to conform to any uh, laws that they don't have to. They go out there and they literally set up their own rules and have the governments follow them along <clears throat> as opposed to the other way around. So, uh, and again, I have no inside information since that Amazon's getting into the car business. Uh, as a matter of fact, sometimes I think that they're staying away from it. All I'm saying is, is when and if they do, it, it's going to really force everybody else to rethink what they're doing to compete. 
because Amazon has the brand recognition, they have the name, they have the reputation for service, they have all of this stuff going for them already. And it's now going to be hard to get that person who's sitting in their uh, apartment, in their living room, in their house, that needs to buy a new Mazda to uh, go to their website and say, oh, I can order this Mazda and boom, 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 and this color, they'll have it here to me tomorrow. Um, and that'll be, uh, that'll be a revolution in the automotive business. And certainly, but I mean, I, I don't know. I think there's a lot of people that, are, that, that need that guidance to buy a car, that personal one-on-one. And so I think services will spring up that will help people uh, buy a car. Uh, I, I mean, I certainly do that. I certainly help people uh, when they need to buy cars, uh, get cars, buy cars, and, and that kind of stuff. So that'll be interesting to see that uh, work its way up the ladder. All right, when we come back, we will talk about what was your favorite James Bond car? What was your favorite James Bond movie? Uh, saw the newest movie yesterday with Daniel Craig, his last. We'll give much information about the movie, uh, but the really cool cars are back all over the place. And uh, Jaguar and Land Rover have a prominent place, as does Aston Martin always. And um, just it, it's just to me, Bond meant so much, uh, you know, there's the cool, suave James Bond around him, 007. But there's also the coolness of the cars he drives. Uh, the cars that they create for him. Who, uh, who came up in my generation will ever forget uh, maybe the most popular Bond car ever. We'll tell you what movie that is come, that comes from, as well as uh, lots more coming up in our show. Then we'll talk to Nathan as well. He's got a load of a wealth of information and a question to ask us later in the show, as well as Drive Time Radio. I'm New York. This is 1150 KKNW. It's Thursday night, and you're grabbing drinks with some friends. Start it off with a pitcher for the table, which quickly becomes two. There's pool. And there's the photo booth. All right, everybody, squeeze in. Say cheese. Followed naturally by an order of wings. And another. Can we get some extra ranch sauce? Then there's the ceremonial nightcap. So what are we doing this weekend? And lastly... It's back to the car, which, if you're buzzed... ...could be the most expensive night of your life. Getting pulled over for buzz driving could cost you around $10,000 in fines, legal fees, and increased insurance rates. Nothing kills a buzz like getting pulled over for buzz driving, because buzz driving is drunk driving. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Miss a show on KKNW? Check out 1150kknw.com for podcasts of many of our programs. That's 1150kknw.com. In fact, if you go to that uh, website, our website, 1150kknw, you will find our podcast that is um, up uh, every Saturday, just a little after uh, the show completes. Nathan gets that thing up on air and moving in group up on the uh, podcast website and moving in groove. And you can also go to Apple and subscribe to our feed 
and uh, so much more. So uh, Apple, I think we're on Stitcher. I think we're on all of the different uh, podcast um, providers as well. As uh, Nathan does a nice job of getting the show out there for everybody. Nathan, how the heck are you this morning, my I'm friend? I'm doing pretty good. How are you, Vinny? I'm good, Nathan. How does, does my voice sound okay? Do I uh, do, am I uh, am I fading in and out, or how am I doing, Nathan? You're sounding good. All right, good. Thank you. First time anybody's ever said that to me, actually. And you know, uh, it's actually it comes to a bit of a surprise because I know last week you should probably mention that we are indeed live this week. I know last week you mentioned that we'll be live two weeks from last Saturday, but no, where everything's going well and you're able to get on the air. It was a, um, that's a good thing. I was uh, a little worried about that. We had a show in the can in case uh, we needed to use it, but it's uh, now our emergency show, except that I think now my voice would sound different on that show than it would on this show. But somebody wrote to me during the week and asked me, does the operation that I had mean I will lose my New York accent? Maybe if it makes you start singing songs. Well, yeah, there is that. You know, we may have a song because it is, uh, it's a, a good friend of mine's birthday today. And I, I said that possibly if we had the time, I might uh, sing her happy birthday uh, on the air. So if uh, Debbie Dew is listening this morning, maybe uh, maybe we'll get to that. Maybe you'll, you'll just get a personal, um, a little personal uh, uh, a birthday greeting as well. Nathan, your uh, your car is in for service. Nathan, what the heck is going on? Did you not? Did you yeah, get even the back? dealership is asking that same question. They're scratching their heads about it. So, you want to go into the story here? Yeah, let's uh, let's let's quickly uh, let's quickly do talk about this a little bit because it's uh, it's it's an interesting situation that you have with your speakers, no less. Right. So the first time I brought it in, my front left speaker, the loudspeaker, was making kind of a bit of a grinding noise, like while a song was playing. I was like, that's interesting. I'll bring it in. And they took a look at it, and they saw on the speaker, they noticed a little bit of a tear around where the tweeter of the speaker is. And they said, okay, it looks like that's probably what's going on here. It's damaged. So we'll go ahead and replace your speaker and get your car back to you and on your way. Well, I got my car back. That first time when I was driving, you probably remembered you had the CX-9 and I had the CX-5. Right, right. And I was driving my car around and noticed, wait a minute, during a particular song, I was starting to hear that noise again. So I ran it through all my tests and noted, discovered that the speaker was still making the same exact noise. So brought it back and they looked at it for a while they're doing all their diagnostics checking all the connections and the speakers stuff like that and they found out well it's going to be the amplifier we figured that out because it's not getting enough wattage from it to power the speaker so that's why it's making that noise well they replaced the amplifier uh two weeks later i got my car after i sent it in for them to look at it to find out to be the amplifier and well Bad news is the car is still in the shop, and the really weird news is the left speaker, the front left speaker, which was having the problems, sounded completely fine, back to normal. Then I thought, well, I'm going to try the other speakers just to make sure. Well, it turns out the same exact problem moved from the front left speaker to the front right speaker. And like I said, the dealership is just really scratching their heads on this. They're calling their 
tech line hotline to find out what's going on with you know different issues in cars and talk to other uh, dealerships and technicians. So it's quite the developing story right now. Well, now when they put the new speaker or the new amplifier, whatever they put in, <clears throat> they, they put the water. I mean, I know this is going to be the stupidest question that anybody will ever ask, but yet I find it over time. Sometimes the most basic thing is something that people overlook. Did they put the, the amplifier and hook it up correctly uh, in phase and everything to the, way it was, to the way it was before, or did they change that? Well, the fact that the sound is just so identical and... When I was doing my test, what I'll do is I'll use the audio controls and move the audio from uh, to the front of the car and then to the left of the car. So it only comes out of the front left speaker. So if it was still like a left channel issue with the amplifier, it would uh, either go to, I would pan it to the left and it would come out of the right speaker. It's just such a weird glitch going on right now. Yeah. Well, hopefully they can... uh... They can find that they're probably going to wind up taking to uh, you know uh, uh, car toys or something like that. <laughs> people there look at it and say, "What in the world is going on here?" And you know, it's going to be something like a ground wire or something like that. It's, it, it'll it'll wind up being something that worked its way loose or who knows what. But uh, hope you know, hopefully, it won't be anything uh, you know anything that's going to be a persistent problem. Uh, hopefully, all I can. Hope is that maybe it's just a thing where they had to unplug it and replug it back in because it didn't quite connect right the first time they plugged it in. But still, yeah, weird scenario. Well, and the fact that it would switch from one side to another would make the you know, bells go off in my head, saying that uh, when they put it back, they crossed, they plugged one thing into another and something else into something else and didn't plug everything in right. Although. I would suppose that those things have plugs that are specific to that particular um, uh, circuit, you know, so that you can't plug a left circuit into a right or a right circuit into a left. But Mm -hmm. I've also learned in automotive uh, to never assume, as in life, to never really assume much because it'll always shock you how the simplest thing can uh, be overlooked in these types of situations. So, well, good luck, man. I mean, I know you're a music guy, man. So yep. if they're messing with your music, uh, they're messing with Nate, the decor of Nathan's soul. <laughs> but the good news is it's in the hands of the experts right now, and they're taking care of me. It's all under warranty. So in the meantime, I get a really nice CX-5 to drive around. So it's not like I'm really carless or driving around a beater like they used to have you do. Yeah, yeah. And they didn't hand you a transistor radio and say, here, listen to me. <laughs> right. You know, it's, it, you know, listen to AM radio. You don't have to listen to, you know, to, uh, um, I don't know, is, is there even a music station on AM radio anymore? I don't, I don't know. KXI. Kixie, right. That's right. But that's music that's built to be heard on AM radio. I mean, for the most part, Kixie's music was popular and still is popular but was popular when am radio was the deal in town when uh, you know those hits were being played uh by pat o'day on kjr and and, and stations like that so if it's, there's one format is probably um i don't know it's uh, music uh, as cool now as it was then 
Well, it, well, you know it is. I'm a, I'm a Tixie fan. I would, I would, uh, I, I would love it if they would call me up and say, you know, you ought to come in and do the morning show on Tixie. Um, I, I would rock that station because that's my stuff, baby. If I could play a little Sinatra, I'd be the happy. A little Dean Martin, a little, uh, little Carpenters. I'd be, I'd be okay with that. I like the other stuff. I like Led Zeppelin and I like uh, Rage Against the Machine, but that's the, the soundtrack of your life. Uh, are you a James Bond? Oh, by the way, did you want to ask me a question before we move on to James Bond? Yo, Vinny, what are you driving this week? I thought you'd never ask, Nathan. <laughs> this week, I am driving uh, one of my favorite cars uh, over time. Uh, I have always lamented the goodbye, uh, see you later, so long of the uh, station wagon. Uh, you know, back, way back when, every car had a station, well, almost every car had a station wagon version. Uh, you can even look back and find station wagon versions of the Corvettes uh, that were uh, built as prototypes but never brought to production because America loved that uh, shooting brake, that hatchback, that ability to carry a little bit more in the back or even for some people stretch out in the back. Uh, or loaded up with stuff, but as minivans and so on and so forth became popular, um, station wagons kind of disappeared. And then once SUVs started, as most SUVs are nothing but a big station wagon, uh, but Toyota uh, many years ago came out with what I always considered to be uh, the Camry station wagon. And by the way, there was a Camry station wagon at one time, uh, but the Venza which is a, a, a light-duty SUV. It's a car-like SUV, much more car than SUV, uh, that encompasses the best of the Camry from uh, the front seats forward and uh, the best of a station wagon uh, from the rear seats back. It is spacious, it's roomy, it's uh, functional, and it has uh, a large area to put stuff in. If you go into the store, you need to load it up. If you have to put the kids in the back seat, you still need space uh, behind them to put stuff, with, uh, you know, for a Costco run or anything like that. And yet it, it retains uh, the characteristics of a car much more than it does an SUV. It's lower to the ground. You don't have to climb up into it. You can, um, it, it, it's handling dynamics. And this particular Camry that I'm driving, which is the hybrid, uh, also has uh, a certain amount of capability on EV only. You can drive it around town uh, at speeds of under 20 miles an hour, I believe, or 18 miles an hour on electric only. So it's uh, spectacular. It's like 50 miles to the gallon on gas if you use the uh, electric vehicle function as well. It's not a plug-in hybrid, but it is a hybrid. And uh, the handling on it is uh, is very well suited for the city. Uh, the ride is uh, soft and easy. You know, it's not, a, it's, listen, it's not a race car. It's not a road course car. It's a car that is going to, um, you know, fulfill your need for a people mover without driving a minivan, without the, the largeness of a minivan. It's a uh, it's a great large car solution for uh, somebody who needs uh, 
you know, wants, doesn't want to drive a minivan. I mean, that's really what it comes down to, isn't it? Uh, that uh, wants the floor to fall flat, uh, that wants to feel like they're driving a car and not a small truck. So uh, we'll have a full report on uh, the Toyota Venza uh, coming up here on the Drive Time Radio Road Test in a few weeks. But uh, again, a spectacular vehicle uh, that, uh, you know, Toyota just seems to right now uh, just be in this space. Maybe that's why they're taking over as the number one car company. They're in this space of, we have something for whatever you need. Uh, you want to go out on Sunday and feel like you're uh, ripping up the pavement? We'll put you in the Supra. Uh, you feel like you need something that's car-like, you don't want uh, too too much of an SUV? Uh, we'll put you in the Venza. Uh, you want the SUV? Put you in the Forerunner. Uh, you want the, the combination of uh, a smaller SUV? Got the RAV4. We got the RAV4 Prime if you want an electric vehicle that'll, that actually is probably the fastest vehicle that Toyota makes right now. They make a car right now, Toyota, for every situation out there. And with the new Tundra coming out, which I'm anxious to see, um, I, I want to see how that affects the truck market. Because I think that people do at times shy away from Toyota trucks, uh, not the uh, not the Tacoma, because that's become uh, the great truck for off-roaders. But the big trucks, people still have this brand loyalty to Chevy, to Ford, to Dodge, Ram. And well, from what I'm seeing, this Toyota Tundra could be the car, the truck that moves people over from that. So certainly something to uh, take a look at. The Bond cars. Um, I don't know about you. I'm, I'm, I'm suspecting that most of my audience is younger than I. So I don't know which uh, James Bond car <clears throat> influenced you. But I, uh, there's just such a fascination for me with these Bond cars for several reasons. Number one, I mean, I grew up in Goldfinger, you know, the first Bond movie I saw, I uh, went to a movie and saw, I think I was nine years old or uh, 10 years old, something like that, was Goldfinger. And uh, the Aston Martin DB5 that he used in Goldfinger was a car that was so different than anything that I had really known about before or seen before. It was a foreign car. It was one of those cars that my father always cursed about when he had to try to fix one. <laughs> Darn foreign cars. <clears throat> but it really was a car that, uh, you know, it had all this neat gadgetry on it that, that uh, Q put on it and had, you know, the, the wheel things that came out and destroyed the other car's tires, had the smoke screen. It had the machine guns. It had, you know, the, maybe the most uh, popular option that it had, uh, spy option it had was the ejector seat. I mean, I, you know, who didn't, who, who, when they started putting sunroofs in cars, didn't uh, look at the person next to them and say, geez, the person's talking too much. I wish I could hit this button and boom. Uh, but it was, the cars were as much of a star of the Bond movies as 
James Bond was in many ways. I mean, they were cool. They were suave. They were sophisticated. They were these cars that um, you could go out and buy. You could only aspire to uh, drive one, have your car be one. And as um, a little kid looking at this who was into cars, you also realized and started to realize that there was something else out there besides V8 Chevys that burnt rubber and screamed that there was such a thing as road handling and that there was such a thing as stability and, you know, going through curves in the tops of walls and things like that uh, and smaller streets in Europe that you would have to handle, uh, a bond car would have to handle that, you know, you couldn't uh, slack, slap a pair of slicks on a 65 Chevy Impala and expect to go through the streets of Europe with it. It was something different. And for many car kids, car people, it was their first kind of exposure to how cool those cars could be. But heretofore, we looked at, you know, large V8, large sedans, uh, you know, two-door sedans, two-door hardtops as the ultimate car to go fast in. But you realized when you looked at the Bond cars that uh, the perfect formula for escaping uh, was not just speed, but it was the ability to corner, the ability to handle, the ability to go through different scenarios on the road. And it changed your mind a little bit about what you thought about cars. It made you think a little bit about, uh, you know, were the Europeans right? With these little four-cylinder, four cylinders. Oh my God, it's, it's only a four-cylinder in that thing. How in the world do you expect to do anything with that? But as we saw in later, uh, you know, later vehicles, that there was a, uh, an entire, you know, a set of cars that didn't have the, uh, you know, the 500 horsepower that American cars were approaching but yet we're just as capable of uh, getting you out of a bad situation as anything else, because they could navigate the small streets. They could do the things that the cars needed to do uh, to get out of there. And many kids, not all, but many kids kind of fell in love with these cars. And, you know, I, I certainly trace it back to, uh, you know, to bond and, and, the Aston Martins and the other cars that you saw in those movies. I mean, remember our job had that Lincoln Continental and that didn't help him out, did it? Remember the one that the guy got crushed in in, uh, in Goldfinger? Oh, that was, that was a gruesome scene. So the latest uh, car that uh, a Bond drives is the DB5. As a matter of fact, you can buy one uh, from Aston Martin, they've made a limited number of them available. So if you want, and you can also buy it, as we spoke about many weeks ago on the show, you can also buy a mini version. So if you want to get your kid um, the James Bond car that's in the movie, you can actually buy it 
and it has like fake machine guns in it and all that kind of stuff. And I forget, I think it was a hundred and hundred and something, 116,000 or 136,000 or something like that. But if you want your little kid to have a bond car and you got money that you don't know what to do with, and you say, hey, he's going to get more enjoyment out of this and he's going to get out of going to college and earning a living in his life or her life, uh, that might be the ticket for you. Uh, the uh, a stunt car actually right now is on display. The Bond stunt car that they used in the movie is on display at the National Motor Museum in England. Uh, they did, I guess, eight regular cars and a couple of uh, pristine cars because obviously when you're making a Bond movie, these cars are going to get destroyed. Uh, the cars are going to get really beat up. And uh, they did. I mean, when you see the movie and you see what um, what happens to these cars, yeah. I mean, it's uh, certainly something that you wouldn't want to uh, to happen to your car. But that original Aston Martin DB5 in 1964 was and still is uh, the vehicle that I fell in love with uh, as a James Bond car. There have been a number of them. Uh, there's been the DBS, Aston Martin, uh, the Vantage Volante, uh, the Vanquish, the V12, maybe, I don't know if it was my least favorite, uh, uh, the 2006, uh, the 2020, um, I'm thinking the original one. Did he drive a Sunbeam Alpine? Which was um, in Dr. No, yes. <laughs> Dr. No. Uh, in 1962, and of course was famously taken uh, off on by Get Smart, who originally drove the, uh, you know, you may remember in later episodes, uh, Smart, Maxwell Smart drove the uh, Volkswagen Carmen Ghia, but originally he drove a uh, Sunbeam Alpine. Uh, what else did you have? You had the, uh, uh, from Russia with Love, you had the Bentley. Um, and you only lived twice, I guess. They had the uh, Toyota 2000 GT, so there has been a Toyota uh, Bond car as well. And um, in Her Majesty's Secret Service's uh, uh, he takes a spin in the Mercury Cougar XR7. He's driven Ford Mustangs. And here's the one that I always thought was pretty funny. But, and you may remember this, you may not, but uh, James Bond and the man with the golden gun drove an AMC Hornet X. Remember the AMC Hornet 74s, um, man with the golden gun, Bond drove the, uh, the Hornet. So even AMC slips, uh, slips one in there. But the cars, the, the cars of Bond, again, as, uh, as I say, also um, are as important characters in these movies 
as um, as really just about anything in the movie, except, uh, you know, Bond himself and uh, the many women uh, that Bond hooks up with. So it'll be interesting to see as Daniel Craig uh, leaves the franchise, uh, what they will, who they will replace him with and what automobiles will be replaced. Is even um. It's uh, what's the other car he drove that was kind of uh, funny? Oh, he drove one of those little three wheel Indian cars, too. Those uh, Bajaj RE um, cars, I think it's a Bajaj. Uh, that little you see him in, uh, you know, a lot of times uh, it uses taxi cabs in India, but it's a, a three seat car, it has a seat in the front for the driver, one wheel in the front, and a double seat in the back. Uh, for two passengers, and I think Bond commandeered one of those, and um, uh, uh, Q gave it the treatment, and it would uh, it would be in the Bond movie. So, uh, what's your favorite Bond car? Which uh, which one? I mean, I, I I think the Aston Martin the DB5 is is the one that evoked so much emotion uh, for people, but yet again, uh, all of these cars uh, are stars in these Bond movies, uh, whether it's a villain's car, whether it's uh, uh, another agent uh, driving the car, whether it's Bond himself that are driving the cars, uh, the cars in the Bond movie play such an important part of the franchise and of uh, what uh, these movies represent, because as I said at the beginning here, you got to be, you know, to be James Bond, you got to be suave. You have to have a certain demeanor about you. You have to have a certain coolness about you. And as you look up and down the list of cars uh, that Bond has used and has been used in these movies, they also have a certain kind of uh, demeanor, a certain, of a certain kind of suaveness about them. A uh, certain kind of uniqueness about them. Uh, just any car can't be a Bond car. There has to be something uh, that uh, I don't know that attracts you about the car, just like there is something that attracts you about being James Bond. All right, quick break here. We'll come back with our drive time road test of the week and uh, a few other quick things as we uh, work our way through a Saturday morning edition of Drive Time. I'm your pal, New York Vinny, right here on 1150 KKNW. All right, now let's see if we can find first. No, that's not it. Believe me, it's in there somewhere. No matter how rough you treat a rebel, it's awfully hard to hurt it. A survey of professional driving schools shows that they use more of our cars than any other kind. How am I doing? A lot better than yesterday. Turn left. I can't do it while you're watching me. Okay, turn left. <laughs> How does it feel the first time out in traffic, Mr. Moss? Mr. Moss? Mr. Moss? Look out for the truck! What truck? Behind the bus! The Rebel has held its own against some of the worst drivers in the world. Should I turn the windshield wiper on? At this point, it looks like the Rebels are going to outlast the teachers. 
broaden your horizons. You'll be amazed at all the topics we cover on Alternative Talk 1150. You know, I almost forgot. I don't know where my head has been at. I've been thinking about James Bond so much over the last 24 hours that I forgot to uh, regale you with the cartoon of the morning, the Saturday morning cartoon. We can't leave you without doing that. It is our tribute every week to cars and music. This week, we get the Firebirds. And uh, they were a little ditty called 59 Ford, this uh, rock, classic rock and roll band uh, that does a lot of different uh, covers on rock and roll tunes uh, with a rockabilly tune and beat to it. Uh, wrote this one, and I found it uh, interesting enough to uh, take two minutes of your time with 59 Ford by the Firebirds. There you go. The Firebirds and 59 Ford. Yeah, which proves the fact that if you have a car, somebody eventually will write a song about them. I don't know anybody who wrote a great song about a 59 Ford until the uh, Firebirds did right there, but that's our Saturday morning cartoon. All right, time now for our Drive Time Radio Road Test. That uh, The Drive Time Radio Road Test. Every week, Vinny puts another car through its paces and lets you know the good, the bad, and the ugly. All right, this week, we take a ride in the Mazda um, I, I think one of the uh, coolest monsters I've driven, uh, it's the CX-30 Turbo. Now, uh, Mazda Speed, the racing division of Mazda, um, certainly has, uh, you know, kind of taken a hiatus for a while. We haven't seen anything, uh, out of them for a while, but if you are looking for something that might be as close to an SUV, a compact SUV, compact uh, hatchback, as they were going to produce. The um, CX-30 might be it. It's uh, it's a vehicle that uh, tries to serve, I think, two purposes. The number one purpose of being a fun car to drive, as is Mazda's mission. Uh, car that gives you feel of the road, car that gives you quickness. A car that gives you um, a bit of oomph when you're driving it that you like to stay engaged with. I think it does that perfectly. Uh, The uh, CX-30, as we have spoken about before, is not a heavy off-roader. As we uh, saw in Mudfest a few weeks ago when I drove it, it's not something where you took it up on the, the bumpy log roll there and said, wow, I'm going to, you know, throw a couple of heavier uh, shocks in this thing and take it way off road where nobody can find me. It will probably get you anywhere that any of the comparable SUVs will get get you. But I just don't know that this, um, with eight inches of ground clearance um, on 18-inch ties, is going to really do a heck of a lot as far as taking you for some serious uh, slicing, fording, of rivers uh what it will do though it will it gives you the iactive all-wheel drive system which is um also gives you an off-road uh, stability control mode it gives you uh and what that stability control does is it distributes uh the all-wheel drive um torque among the four wheels when you're going over sketchy terrain uh, again it's not a serious trail vehicle but it's one that will 
do a nice job of getting you, you know, um, in bad weather. It's snow in conditions uh, that you would normally drive a vehicle in, like this in. Uh, it'll it'll do good. And with the bumping power, uh, the better ride handling, and the interior in these cars, I think, uh, gives you uh, a spectacular buy for uh, this vehicle. It's not, you know, a, a, again, in its class, when you look at the 31225 uh, bucks starting price of this thing and move it up to around where our vehicle was, I think at around thirty-seven, thirty-eight thousand. 38000 um, It may not be the largest SUV out there, but it's a lot of fun to drive. It does everything most hatchbacks are going to do out there and give you uh, a bit more pop in doing it. It's not a hot rod, but it's a good, competent, turbocharged, quick, not neck snapping, but fun to drive vehicle that will take you off the beaten path to a certain extent. If you want to go, you know, I thought about it like this when I was, this is a perfect vehicle to go bird watching in. If you want to go camping up at the top of the dam or something like that, maybe this isn't the perfect. If you want to go slushing through the mud, maybe not the perfect vehicle. But if you want to put the kids in the car and go out bird watching, this could be the absolute perfect vehicle uh, for you. And the six-speed transmission uh, and the torqueiness of it uh, provide a lot of fun driving for this vehicle. So the Mazda 3, um, uh, 3.0, uh, the Mazda CX-30, I'm trying to say. <laughs> Again, a uh, fairly, a, a very competent vehicle, a fun to drive vehicle, and something if you're looking for a small hatchback, especially like the Subaru Crosstrek or something like that, you should cross shopping as well. All right, that is going to put another edition of Drive Time Radio into the books. And thank you so much for uh, uh, hanging out with us this past hour. Debbie, do I'm not going to sink you on the radio. I'm just going to say happy birthday. Have a great day. Have a great birthday to one of my wonderful longtime friends. Thank you all for listening. Thank you, Nathan, for making it all happen uh, back there at the studio. And uh, we will catch up with you next Saturday morning if the Lord's willing and the creek don't rise right here on Drive Time Radio.